Hello, and welcome to the Digital Workspace Works podcast. I'm Ryan Purvis, your host, supported by our producer Heather Bicknell. In this series, you'll hear stories and opinions from experts in the field, stories from the front lines, the problems they face and how they solve them, the areas they're focused on from technology, people and processes, to the approaches they took that will help you to get to the scripts for the digital workspace inner workings. Welcome, Mike, to the Digital Workspace Works podcast. Do you want to tell us a bit about yourself, please? Yeah, I'm uh, Mike Pace. I'm the uh, Senior Channel Sales and Marketing Manager at Contour Design. I've been with this company for about 10 years. Love it, honestly. I love the fact that what we do as a company is, you know, obviously we're in business and we're here to make money, but at the end of the day, we help people. That's really um, what drew me to Contour and what's kept me around for so long. What does the digital workspace mean to you? Uh, Digital workspace, I mean, that is really anywhere these days where we're doing business, right? I mean, uh, digital workspace can be something that no matter where you sit, we're all interconnected online. Um, as far as, you know, we have people in our office, we work globally through Copenhagen. I speak to people in Europe at all time. And the digital workspace if for us is, is, you know, that meeting point of online of being able to bring these ideas and bring these, you know, efforts together from a global perspective. Um, as the world evolves and as we get more and more intertwined and interchangeable as far as technology goes, you know, I remember the days when Macs and PCs were completely in, incompatible. If you had a Mac and you had a PC, you couldn't collaborate on anything. And now these days, that's long gone. And, you know, no matter where you sit, no matter what you use, you're always connected and you're always able to collaborate and create. And I think that's a, a, an amazing thing. Yeah, I, now that I, now that you've you know had a chance to remember what I looked at, I mean, I went through websites and I was fascinated by some of the stuff you guys had. Um, and in fact, I was talking with my my mother-in-law yesterday because my son he's just turned five. Well, he's five, turning six now, but he's just reached that stage where I need to buy him a computer. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about you know, do I buy him a desktop? Do I buy him a laptop? And then we were talking about well, he needs to have the tactile feel for a mouse because he's going to struggle. He's got um, dyspraxia. And hmm. a touchscreen will be important, but we still want him to use a mouse and use a trackball and, and those yep. sorts of things. And and I'm now looking through your stuff again going, oh, yes, now I remember why I wanted to have this conversation because I was thinking about this. <laughs> <laughs> so do you want to tell us a bit about, your, about the, the products and, and how they fit into to what you do? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we are a, a manufacturer of ergonomic mice. Um, Contour Design has been in business for 28 years now. And... We only do one thing. I scratch that. We do one main thing and then we accessories. Um, but our main thing is ergonomic mice, right? We try to function like a really high-end restaurant where we have a small menu, but we the things we do, we do exceptionally well. The main product line we have is super funky. Uh, it's called the roller mouse. So it's not something that you would think of like a traditional mouse. It doesn't sit to the side of the keyboard. It's not like a one-handed thing that you kind of grab and, and you know manipulate. It sits in front of your keyboard um, and it's got this bar on it that you kind of roll around, almost like a call it an adult Etch-a-Sketch, if you will. And that allows you to um, control the cursor. And it's a really different way of thinking. It's a really different than traditional design principles, but it's more ergonomic. So it allows people to use um, both hands, work ambidextrously, create better synergy with the oh. keyboard. And it also allows people to work all day with being pain-free, um, not having any discomfort. Uh, a lot of things, especially in the ergonomic space, is you know a normal mouse. You grab it once, you start using it for a day, you feel fine. Um, it's 
five years after you've been working, you know, eight hours a day at a computer that you start to notice like, oh, my wrist will stiff or oh, my fingers start to tingle. Our mouse is something that stops that, you know, stops in its track. And for a lot of people who are unfortunate enough to have like full blown carpal tunnel or something like that, it alleviates the pain. It's it's kind of fortuitous to be having this conversation because I cannot yeah. figure out why my my forearm has been so sore the last couple of days. And it's because I've changed from a, a I've got a, a magic mouse that I've now changed to a trackpad. Mm-hmm. And, ah. and I found it's this it's this flick of my fingers open and closed so many times mm-hmm. a day. That's absolutely create some t- some tension. Um, it's a fascinating product. I mean, I'm looking at the, the pictures on the website. I, I never conceived of something like this. I'm very curious. Do you have? Is there a backstory to how they came up with this? Or yeah, absolutely. So our our original founder Steve Wang, um, he worked in CAD design back in the '90s. I mean, back when it was you know black and white computers with you know just lines and there was no windows. It was you know DOS prompt way back in the day. Um, and he noticed that a lot of the CAD designers, because it was so mouse intensive. We're getting carpal tunnel at like a, at an alarmingly high rate. So we wanted to do something to change that. And he made a handheld mouse and it, you know, it worked for its function and it was nice, but he still noticed that there was a lot of issues um, when it comes to just the idea of a single handed mouse. I mean, no matter what the design is, you know, you're still reaching over to the right. You're still activating, you know, muscles all the way up to your shoulder and neck. And he thought, okay, there's a better way to do this. Um, and following ergonomic principles, right? Ergonomic is kind of the study of our bodies and, and how we use them in our working environment. And the goal is to always get back to what we call neutral posture, right? Neutral posture is just imagine yourself you know, standing or laying in bed and just having your arms by your side and completely relaxed, right? That is the posture where we will not hurt ourselves doing things. Um, so how close can we get to that where we work? And the one thing that he noticed was this motion, right? This, I'm reaching for my mouse over to the side. We want to keep mm. our elbows in as people. So he was like, all right, well, how do we get closer to the keyboard? How do we minimize that uh, wasted motion? And that was kind of the the birth of the idea. And you know, there was a ton of different back and forth of should it be closer to a tuck pad? Should it not be? And then, you know, tuck pads themselves are not really ergonomic down to the more finer muscle groups because you're doing a lot of pivoting on your wrist. So we wanted to have something that was allowed to be used ambidextrously without creating any sort of... um you know, pinpoints or pain points um, when it comes to ergonomics. And and through tons of testing, tons of, you know, R&D, uh, we came up with our first molar mouse back in like 2001. I was in like seventh grade, but I say we, he did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it yeah. was, uh, it's been something that we've been, you know, it's our flagship for, you know, the past, like, I think almost uh, 20 years now, 22 years. And it's been something that, um, yeah, we're small. It's not something that is designed for everybody to use, but the people who need it and the people who understand it and the people who have one, they get it and they love it. And that's one of uh, my favorite things about working here too. Yeah, look, I can imagine. And, and I'm actually curious, you know, I used to have a, a Microsoft the keyboard. Oh, the skull. Yeah, did you ever have one of those? I mean, because uh, your keyboards are together. I'm just curious. If, if there's a reason why yours are, are the sort of standard flat versus that that natural keyboard, as they used to call it. Absolutely. Yeah. So the, the Sculpt keyboard was that split one and had the wrist rest. And um, mm. if you are keyboard heavy, uh, split keyboard is something that's really good for you because that's the most natural part you can have. But the one thing it doesn't solve is the mouse, right? 
Um, and mm. we're coming to find that more and more of our jobs, it's not as much keyboard data input word processing as it is we're using our mouse to navigate, we're using our mouse to, you know, click and drag and navigate websites, manipulate Excel spreadsheets, you know, whatever our tasks are, it's becoming much more mouse centric um, than keyboard centric than it was back in, you know, even the early 2000s when, when technology and the programs were not as sophisticated and it relied a lot on keyboard shortcuts instead of using the mice for, you know, more intricate tasks. Um, so I think that they, it serves a purpose, especially if you're keyboard heavy. Uh, we find that that's it's not the case for a lot of workers these days. So the way that we designed our mice is that the mouse kind of comes first because that's our primary mode of interacting with computers these days. And then we built our keyboard to accentuate the benefits of the roller mice. So our, our balanced keyboard was designed specifically to work with the roller mouse. So you're getting the most synergy out of that mouse keyboard combination. On its own, it's not you couldn't compare it to the sculpt because it's not designed to be uh, on its own an ergonomically specific uh, keyboard. It's it's meant to work with our products so that we get that best um, workstation possible. So overall ergonomics are are taken into account for the keyboard and the mouse, not just the keyboard. Interesting. That's cool. And and, and you said, I mean, obviously it was started in Copenhagen or. or it somehow ended up in Copenhagen, mm-hmm. but it's a global company. Do you yes. distribute through your direct or do you go through resellers? I mean, what's the, what's the model? Oh yeah. We, we work through in Copenhagen and our, our European, um, I mean, these a little harder to navigate when it comes to import export laws. So they work a lot specifically through distribution and resellers. Uh, in the U S here, we work with, um, you know, we obviously the CDWs, the staples of the world, the big office suppliers, you know, we work with them, um, but we have a, a sect of like niche ergonomic resellers as well. You know, the ones that will go into office spaces and help do the ergonomic assessments and, and you know, put mm. the, recommend the products and help people navigate the world. Because, you know, we're not the only ergonomic mouse out there. For every one of us, there's 17 other companies and same with chairs and desks and monitor arms. So for those who aren't in the the ergonomic world, it can be a lot to undertake. And there's a great value in having all of those resellers who are, you know, working with us and, and helping making sure that their clients are getting the best needs, uh, the best products for their clients' needs. Um, you know, obviously we do direct, you know, if we have a website who doesn't these days and, you know, Amazon mm-hmm. as well. So we try to be omnipresent uh, no matter where you hear about us or find us. We try to make sure that we're available for whoever needs us because it's not just people working in an office. There's a lot of people who work from home, who work as contractors, who are self-employed that need solutions like this too. So we don't want to we don't want to gatekeep it from anybody. Yeah, and as I said, yeah, I'm thinking of with my son in mind. You know, he's he's going to start this journey that we've all lived with. You know, typing on a keyboard and using a mouse. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, you want to you want to give them the best. So I mean, the, the kids' version of these things. I mean, doesn't necessarily mean you have to have a kids' size keyboard, but you know, you want them to start off with a, with a good foundation. Um, oh, absolutely. So, and and I mean, it'd almost be like a a, a value-added product where you have one that's got bright colors, you know, stupid sure. print on it or something. Yeah, LEDs, that's what I was kind of thinking bright about. Bright LEDs, the kids kids love that. It's it's funny yeah. too, especially like I have a nephew, and you know, he's a gamer, like most kids are, and he games, you know, a lot with his friends. I mean, that's kind of replaced to the take your bike down the street and go play basketball with friends that's, you know, hop online, get mm. to a party, chat and play some Fortnite or whatever it may be. Um, and there's a really interesting stat floating around there. And I don't know how verified it is, but I, I 
can very much see it being true that like like in the professional gaming world, the average lifespan for professional gamers is like five to six years because of the toll that gaming takes on their body and their wrists. And like gaming mice, while very cool and sleek looking and very bright, um, they're not they're not ergonomically designed. And um, it's one of those things, especially as young kids start to do it and they start to game more and more. It's like, you know, we're setting ourselves up for for failure here. Like most of our customers right now are people in their, you know, late thirties, early forties, kind of the back end of their career. Cause they've been using a computer for 20, 30 years, but they probably didn't really use a computer full time until they were like in college. Right. My generation, I started middle school, but this younger generation, I mean, they've, you know, you've heard the term iPad kid out there before, you know, it's, it's, they've been using technology since such a young age. And I did you can kind of see it coming that there's going to be a big wave of issues um, if we're not giving them sure. the correct tool to be safe while they're using it. Yeah, no, and and this is the thing. I mean, and and we talked about this again yesterday that that the school system and everyone's like in the US, but the, the school system in the UK, the the average teacher is not geared up for giving that kind of advice on how to use it, yeah. how to use a device and how to sit properly and whatever. And I mean, I ne- I'll never forget I was working with Shell. As a, um, they were a client of mine, and we had a staff member from Shell come and work with us in the office. And she got there, and she she didn't sit down until the health and safety inspector had arrived, and basically done an assessment of her workstation, the right chair, the right you know the right desk, the keyboard a certain way, mouse a certain way, the whole thing, and then she would work. And I was like, wow, that's like that's like the the, the Rolls Royce kind of version of of these things, <laughs> yeah. but it's as simple as like you know getting up and walking around every twenty minutes or thirty minutes and and doing some neck exercises and and shoulder stretches and no one teaches you any of this stuff and the only way you find it is on YouTube, yeah. Um, if you're looking for it, you know, or you go to a physio and they say, well, you really shouldn't be, st-, you know, like I I'm standing. In fact, I'm actually balancing on a wobble board while yep. we're talking. Because I find that if I I did a week of sitting and then my back sore for for the next week, absolutely. And and, and then I think in, especially in the U.S., it's you don't get that education until it's too late, right? They you go yeah. to your job, your office, you get the standard desk chair, probably have a sit stand desk. Nobody tells you how to use it. You get the you know three dollar mouse and keyboard that came with the computer that they you know yeah. gave to you. It's when you're complaining of wrist pain or your shoulder hurts or you need an ergonomic assessment or, you know, God forbid, carpal tunnel surgery or something like that. Then they teach you, oh, well, you know, you should be doing this. You should be doing that. It's, it's, it's a very reactive kind of thing where the very basics of ergonomics, especially the stuff that doesn't require purchasing products. I mean, those are great products. I mean, you know, I worked for a company that makes these products and these are great um, add-ons to make sure that we're being safe. But a lot of ergonomics is stuff that we can do ourselves. Um, setting the desk up mm. correctly. There's like, I could give you four things right now that, you know, if everybody did to set their desks and workstations up correctly, it would be a game changer for them. Um, it's, it's super simple. You know, it's like stuff like making sure your monitors at the right height and distance, right? Your monitor mm. has an arm, about an arm's length away from you and make sure that it is, Eye level is like in the top, you know, 25% of the screen. That's going to put you in the proper position to not have a bad neck posture and to not strain your eyes. Um, your desk and chair, right? If you're sitting, uh, make sure your chair arms and your desks are at about 
the same height and that they're 90 degrees for your arms. So you're not adding extra pressure or having weight on the shoulders and neck. So you're not going to have a stiffer neck. Um, the chair, have your feet flat on the floor, have your knees at 90 degrees. You know, it's very simple stuff that we just don't think about. But as soon as we kind of like everyone that I've ever explained this to, and then like, these are just a few very simple things. They're like, oh yeah, that makes sense. You know, they're very common sense things that we're just not trained to think about. So it's it's about changing the way we think to think about how our body is meant to be and how it works and not putting it in awkward postures or straining it. Because it might not feel like it in the moment, but it's that buildup over time that really starts to have that, like, you know, you sit in the chair for a week and all of a sudden, you're like, ooh, my back hurts. One day, it's like, nobody doesn't, you don't notice, but it's that buildup over yeah. time. And Yeah, and I mean, I had a, um, I've always had trouble with my calves. And uh, I saw a physio when I was lost in South Africa. And she said, you know, if you just sat every night, just before, when, you, when you're watching TV, you sat on the floor with your, like with your back supported by the chair, but your legs straight. Yep. And you just let that stretch naturally happen. You would have less calf pain like the next day. And I've been doing it, like I've been doing it for months now. And yep. the first kind of couple of nights I was doing it, it was, it was very tight and very sore and very uncomfortable. But now I get sit for like a whole episode of something or I'm reading a book, I'll re read a chapter or two. They're like, okay, mm -hmm. I've sat for long enough. It's been more than 10 minutes and, and I feel fine. And it's, it's silly things like that because, you know, again, we, we, we're sort of conditioned that you've got to be sitting, always sitting in a chair right. or, or you know, lying on a couch or whatever. And that's not, that's not a good thing to be doing. No. And actually the other thing I've been adding is, is sitting cross-legged. Like just sitting oh, on the floor cross-legged for a little bit. And then yeah. just get your hips going. Oh, yeah. Um, that, that's huge. I, one of the biggest things that I think we forget about um, as a culture, like, I don't know, in the U.S., almost everybody has a sit-stand desk. I would venture to guess that maybe 20% of the people who have them actually use them. You get the sit-stand desk, and it stays at one height, right? You set the height, like, oh, this is nice, and then you never move it. That's not what they're meant for. You know, it's the varying of the posture. It's the avoiding the stagnation, especially our lower body. I mean, think about it. Our hamstrings, our quads, our calves, our hips. If we're sitting all day or in this prone position, we are offloading so much of our weight onto that. And it just sits there. And then mm. our blood flow stagnates. And then our muscles tighten. We don't have that, you know, that natural movement that we as humans are built for. I mean, we're not at the point in evolution where we're, evolved to sit eight hours a day and work on a computer like we're just not there um so you know mm. doing something like every 45 minutes or 50 minutes even you know of sitting put the standing desk up and stand for that other 15 or 10 you know every hour you do of straight work take a break and don't just stare at the wall and think about sports like go for a walk get a coffee do something to move your body you know it, it's these simple things mm. that i think we we're so conditioned to not pay attention to to lose track of that are really easy to implement. And once we do, we just realize how much better we feel when we're working, you know, and, and we have a really interesting disconnect between like pain and discomfort and the condiment when we're at work, because I feel like there's this massive focus on productivity where it's like, I can't, I don't have time to take a five minute break. And even though my shoulder feels like it's falling off, I have a deadline to hit. I got to get this done. Um, and I honestly think it's detrimental to productivity to work through things like that. You know, you're not at your best when you are, um, it's not like a Snickers commercial or anything here, but it's, you know, you're not, when you're not feeling your best, you're not going to work your best. It's like in sports, right? Somebody's got a sprained ankle and they're supposed to be back in four weeks, but the team needs them. So they force themselves back in three weeks and you know, they're not going to be a hundred percent. You're going to expect 80% productivity of what you would normally expect. It's the same for uh, us. Uh, unless, 
Unless you're Kurt Schilling and you you know you happen to throw a whole game, oh, yeah. your sock, you know that's true. Well, we don't uh, we don't want to talk about Kurt Schilling right now. He's 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 not in anyone's <laughs> good graces over here in the U.S. right now. So, <laughs> but yeah, so, I mean, yeah, there you... are things there are things you can do, but uh, you know, performing hands and drugs aside, <laughs> yeah, well, exactly, exactly. Um, and and you mentioned something about going for walks and and looking outside and and all that stuff, and I think. You know, the, the one bad thing about COVID to an extent, as much as they got everyone to level up and to use technology to work from home and remotely and, yes. and, and you know, get more get more balanced life, there's the back to back meetings all the time now because now you just mm-hmm. you just got access to your diary. Um and I think you've got to build those those um uh, boundaries to say, well, you know yeah. what, I'm like my meetings are always like I shorten all my meetings generally and then that 10 minutes is normally like I'm going to run to the run and get something from the kitchen, but I'm still doing something away from the desk. And like, I'm going to fetch my son now. It's a 20 minute walk, you know, just out in the, yeah. in the UK now. So not always the sun, but at least it's outside. That's um, right. Yeah. Yeah. I, and that's, I think that's one of the things that we're cognizant of. We need to be cognizant of as well. I mean, even if it's, you know, setting, uh, if you have back to back hour long meetings, setting one to be, you know, end five minutes early or saying you have a hard stop just to make yeah. sure you can stretch your body. And it's not even just body too, it's mind as well. I mean, you, you mm. need that five minutes to go away and think, you think about anything. Think about what you're getting from the fridge. Think about Kurt Schilling's bloody sock. You know, think about your favorite episode of Black Mirror or whatever. <laughs> um, whatever it is, it just, it allows us to physically and mentally reset ourselves. And I think that kind of gives us, uh, it's, it's a quick little battery charge between productivity uh, sessions. And I think that's something that we, definitely lose sight of and i know that i've done a lot of things recently that have kind of helped me reset because you know we've had especially with with you know having an office in europe and having one in the u.s i get in early every day to make sure i can meet with them on certain things for teams and then i go right into morning meetings here then the other half of our teams in california so it's like all throughout the day you know there's constant check-ins and really making sure that we have strategies in place to not overwhelm ourselves is a, a great way to make sure that not only we a stay per really productive but also happy at work i think that's something mm. that's also overlooked these days yeah it's funny you tell that because i i um we we went through a period my wife and i we would go to gym every day between nine and eleven and and largely that was because the gym had a crash so with our young kids we could put the kids in the crash and it was all yep. fine and then as we as the kids started going off to school it became a little more difficult to get there at nine to eleven because you, you're dropping off and all the rest of it but right. also with work and stuff you know, you'd have meetings on those slots. It was really difficult to get out there. And I was actually thinking, I, I managed to sneak out to gym today. And I was actually thinking about it, that I should actually block out the gym time, not as gym, but actually as thinking time. Because when you sit in there and you're doing your workouts and you're doing your 20 minutes on the treadmill and, and your weights, and, and then I go, you know, the best, the biggest thing for me is the sauna at the end. Mm-hmm. Even even if you're listening to a podcast or you listen to music or whatever it is, your brain is like, because you're doing this mundane repetitive action, of lifting a weight or something, yep. that's the time your brain's going, huh, I can now join some dots because you know, you're you not in a call all the time. You're not thinking yes. all the time. So yes. now I can tell you some stuff. Um, and it's amazing. I had like 10 ideas today and I was like, this is why I come to gym. Not for the, I mean, I love the workout, but it's actually the thinking that happens. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, the same for me in cooking. I love to cook. I mean, you know, I work the nine to five and I get out and I still make sure to make myself a meal at the end of every day because it's that that task of kind of putting your body on autopilot right you know what you're doing you know what you have to do you have the recipe or whatever you're cooking or whatever your regimen is at the gym 
and you yep. just go and then your brain's allowed to wander and kind of, you know, be creative and have these ideas instead of just having to ingest and regurgitate information ad nauseum because of what the uh, mm. meeting requires or what, you know, your job function is. Uh, and that's really important, you know, having that time to to make sure that you're able to to let your brain kind of wander and, and flex its creative muscle. Yeah, yeah, 100%. What, do, what kind of cooking do you do? A little bit of everything, honestly. Uh, I'm uh, Heritage-wise, I'm Italian, so, you know, fresh pastas, all that kind of stuff. Pasta. Love that. Have a slight addiction to carbs I need to work on, but yeah, <laughs> neither here nor there. Um, but I really love that. I, I'm not so much of a baker. Baking is much more scientific. You know, you're off mm. by a couple grains of uh, salt, all of a sudden the recipe's shot. Uh, I'm much more of a uh, cooking as far as like, you know, stove top, grill, that kind of stuff. More art. There's a little more room for interpretation. You can alter things and not have to worry about the whole recipe being shot. But um, I, I like to explore. I don't have a single thing I, I, I try to pigeonhole myself with. I'll try anything. I'll Indonesian cuisine. Perfect. Where can I find the ingredients? You know, let's give it a shot. Um, so it's one of those things that it's, it's an outlet where I like to, to use some creativity and, and try new things. And, uh, you know, my mom was a really great cook. So I've always had that. It was the first year in college when I had to eat cafeteria food that I realized how lucky I had it. And I was like, oh, crap, I should probably teach myself how to cook because guess mom's cooking was better than everything else. Whoops. So I have my mom to thank for that. Uh, no, that's good. I mean, my, you know, obviously South African, we grew up, we, we grew up cooking on the grill. So brine. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, a lot of that. But um, also because of we've got so many different nationalities, I don't actually, but but tribal influences, because you've got the course of the, the, the sand, Etc. There's, there's, you know, we live different languages as official languages, plus more. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of stuff done in pots. Uh, we have the poiki, which is a you know a slow cook pot as well that you put on the fire. Yeah. Um, and all this stuff is is I think a lot of it is therapy. I think in the yeah. you know it's just that time to to get out of you know you've got to like like a poiki it cooks for four hours, mm-hmm. and, and it can't get too hot because you burn everything. So you got to you got to monitor it, but it's like the it's like boring monitoring because you got yeah. You, you stir the pot here and there, you know that sort of thing. So I think it's important from a psyche point of view. Um, I mean, I, I don't have anything else to ask you really because I think I think the product really speaks for itself. I think everyone needs something like this, and and I think we took some really great hints and tips around you know product, you know mo- uh, mobility of the joints and and being yeah. healthy when you're working. Is there anything else yeah. you want to share? Uh, do you want people to come to the website? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, no matter what you do, if you're working for a computer eight hours a day, I mean, the injuries surrounding ergonomics, they're called repetitive strain injuries, right? And it's the repetitive part that we need to pay attention to. They're not nearly as dramatic as, you know, getting run over by a forklift or slipping on a wet floor and tumbling down a flight of stairs, right? Like, it's, it's so they always end up kind of being uh, in the back of the mind, even on people who have like uh, on safety teams, right? Just because they're not something that uh, are are very dramatic and very instantaneous. But you, it's something that we all need to pay attention to. Um, you know, you work for eight hours a day, and these are our tools. Now, if we don't have our mm. hands, I mean, good luck trying to control a mouse with your foot. You know, it's not going to work. Um, so we need to take care of our bodies. We need to take care of ourselves. And, you know, whether it be just impl- implementing some basic, you know, of the tips that we just talked about and stuff like that, or, you know, adding on to that to really make sure that you're protecting your investments. If you, if you catch my drift, 
is looking at an ergonomic mice and ergonomic keyboards and having the correct accessories for your desktop so you can work in comfort. And it really allows you to be the best you you can be. I'm not trying to take an old army slogan from the U.S. or anything, but it really does allow you to to function at your highest level. Um, and I'd say we're definitely worth checking out. You know, we only do one thing, and we've done it really well for a lot of years. So if you are interested in looking at ergonomic mice, contourdesign.com is the place that you want to check out. There's a lot of educational materials on there as well. It's not just like, hey, here it is, buy it. You know, they go behind the why. We try to under- explain the principles in ways that are you know, understandable. We try not to get too deep into the jargon because um, we want people to really understand that the ergonomics and, and why the products are important, um, not just for people with carpal tunnel, but for everybody. No, I think you. it's an important thing, as, as I said. And I think one of the things that, that um, and I'm curious to know why you haven't done this, you know, why haven't you guys got a stand-up sit-down desk? Yeah, we're, we're a small company. Yeah. And, you know, we try to focus on what we know, what we can do, and where we can have the most impact. There's a lot of people making sit-stand desks, and they do a really great job. Uh, we don't see a need for us to to do that because that market's well covered. We want to make sure that, like I mentioned before, you know, we're, uh, we try to be a really fine dining restaurant, small menu, but what we do, we do very well, uh, excellent even. So we make sure that all of our resources, all of our time go into providing the best mouse and keyboard setup for um, you know people who live on a computer like most of us do nowadays yeah and i, and I love it i mean I, I i looked at the products again i mean i i think i bought actually the laptop stand from you guys um oh awesome. so, I have, so, I, so i have bought a product um yeah i think it's a great it's a great space and then i look forward to seeing what people say when they listen to the episode and, and hopefully reach out to you guys yeah absolutely uh we've i mean it's one of those things i i like to consider myself a you know I'm like the people on the side of the street, especially in Las Vegas, if you've ever been there, thumping the Bible. You know, I like to thump the ergonomics Bible. It's, uh, I, I think it's something we should all care about. And of course, you know, us having these products is fantastic, but even even sort of that, just making sure we're taking care of ourselves and taking care of our bodies, I think is, you know, an important thing that we can't lose sight of. Yeah, agreed, 100%. Um, so you mentioned the website. If people want to reach out on LinkedIn, I assume that's fine. Um, yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, it's this handsome face is right there on the profile picture under uh, Mike Pace. So pretty easy to find. Fantastic. Great. Well, thanks so much for coming on the podcast and I look forward to seeing more from, from your company. Awesome, Ryan. Thank you so much for having me. It was really fantastic to talk to you today. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Heather Bicknell is our producer and editor. Thank you, Heather, for your hard work on this episode. Please subscribe to the series and rate us on iTunes or the Google Play Store. Follow us on Twitter at the DWW Podcast. The show notes and transcripts will be available on the website, www.digitalworkspace.works. Please also visit our website, www.digitalworkspace.works, and subscribe to our newsletter. And lastly, if you found this episode useful, please share with your friends or colleagues.